everyone, and welcome to HP Critical, a podcast where my friends and I talk all things gaming. I'm your host, Jarrell, and I'm here with Sean. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Brandon. What's up, people? Um, and I'm lucky enough to have them discuss with me our E3 predictions, and this week we're talking all about Microsoft. So I am not necessarily the biggest Microsoft fan. I am, I am a Microsoft fan. I'm just not the biggest Microsoft fan, so I brought some knowledgeable friends on the podcast this time to help me figure out what they think is going to be going on at E3, uh, especially since it's uh, less than a month away or a little bit over a month away. We're looking forward to a bunch of stuff with uh, Sony not being there. Xbox is pretty much the big company aside from Nintendo that's going to be taking on E3. Uh, So I brought my friends with me to discuss what we think is going to happen. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Brandon, first, give me some of your E3 predictions. Yeah, sure. So for uh, Microsoft... They have an opportunity this year, I'd like to say, because, you know, uh, it's all there's been historically with E3, there's always been these different, you know, conferences with both the big three as well as some of the other third parties if they have something to talk about, you know, like Bethesda, Square Enix. But with one of the uh, big three just, you know, absent, that being Sony, of course, both Microsoft and Nintendo have some opportunities. So as far as Microsoft is concerned, I'm curious to see how they're going to use this opportunity with this new spotlight that's being placed upon them, because I think we can all agree that Microsoft has been um, they've been kind of struggling to find their identity in some ways because, you know, there's not that many exclusives for Xbox games, especially now. Because now, you know, Microsoft is spreading their um, library between Xbox One as well as the PC and mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of feeling that going forward, maybe Microsoft just won't prioritize, you know, exclusives as much as they once attempted to. I'm thinking that going forward, it might be more of a case that they'll simply advertise the Xbox One uh, and its later revisions or if it's next generation or what have you as simply – a good place to play a lot of these third-party games that are coming out there or their Microsoft games as opposed to necessarily being the only place where you can play said game, for example. Like, that might... I don't know for sure if that's even necessarily um, a good strategy for them um, because... I was just going to ask you that, if if you feel like that that could possibly benefit them, really. I don't know if it really could. It seems to be the way that they're going, but I don't know if necessarily that's necessarily going to help them in the long run uh, because, I don't know, you know, people who invest into, like, PCs, you know, they go, they're all about the graphics. They are, that's what they're about. Xbox, you know, even with their most powerful console, which is the Xbox One X, I think at one point it might have been as good as the best PCs, but PCs are constantly improving. You can never make a con- like a home console that's as best as the best PC you can make. Um, that's, so to- yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, so I was just thinking to the to this like, no matter what console is out there, it's just a temporary solution. So even if you're just going for the most powerful console, the only people you're really going to um, target with that are people who just cannot be bothered to. Um, either build a pc or just don't have the money to get the absolute best hardware but even then i would still argue that if you're not concerned about getting the best of the best you're still better off getting like for example the ps4 pro because at least you got some exclusives you know that's right the way i see it sean you have an xbox one x right i i have a one s okay um yeah, I, I know a, a while ago we were talking about it so i wasn't sure um 
What's the point of the Xbox One X, guys? Like As I was saying, like, go ahead. No, go ahead. What, what I mean what by that yeah, is <laughs> I do think that there are a lot of games that came out that were supposed to be, you know, utilizing the power of the X. And then um, there are a lot of games now that still aren't utilizing the power of the X. I mean, even, it's for true. example, the remaster of Final Fantasy that just came to um, Xbox. Um, it, I think mm-hmm. it's just 1080p. It might, I think uh, 12 is 4K, but the other one is just 1080p on this really expansive system. And then everything else belongs to PlayStation. So what's the point of this? Also, what's the point of the discless Xbox One as well? <laughs> yeah, the discless. well, Xbox yeah. One sad. There's a couple points there. Xbox One sad. Yeah, and oh, where man. does that lead us for E3? Like, what what's next? What are what am I as a consumer supposed well, to be excited about? There there are people who have wanted discless consoles. That is a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, it is it, eventually, you know, if we're looking at 10, 20 years down the line, that probably will be the future. Like, I, I'm sitting here staring at my collection of PS4 games, guys. I have almost 40 just physical copies, and it takes up so much space, it, it's it's insane, right? So I always think, okay, well, I could go digital, but here's my problem. And, they, and I actually wrote an article about this exact thing, is that I, I cannot jump into that without worrying about, okay, well, how long is it going to take me to preload this game? It could take all week. You know, I can't download a 6,500 <laughs> yes. gigabyte game exactly. right when I want to. Right, exactly. It's it's different than how things used to be, certainly in, in modern consoles, because even if you get a disc, there's still some loading. We're gone, we're, we're, unfortunately, we're past the days where, you know, you come home after buying this game that you really like, and then you can get played just immediately as soon as it's mm-hmm. um, home. It's always at least 15 minutes, depending on what game you're playing and what console you're playing it on. Yep. Well, and I wanted to mention, too, what Jarrell had asked about, you know, what's the point of the Xbox One X? One of the, the big issues, you know, was last year with Red Dead. And that was a really interesting one because they you could tell that essentially Rockstar kind of did this extra effort on the One X to, to really make the game shine and run really well on that console. And it did look best on that platform, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that they they just didn't implement it correctly on the PS4 Pro. The checkerboarding was, was terrible. They had problems with lighting. They had problems with motion blur. They had problems with uh, FPS, and they never fixed it. They never really bothered to do anything about it. And so it's kind of like you have a platform where people can say, well, I have the most powerful console and Red Dead looks the best on here. And it's like, well, you could have bridged that gap a little more if Rockstar was willing to do so. So a lot of that comes into the hands of the developers. Like your your power in your console doesn't mean much if it's not optimized for whatever game you're playing. Okay, so then my question is, if it is in the hands of the developers, um, does that mean that the acquisition of all these studios um, that Xbox showed us at last year's 3 are going to take advantage of that? It's possible because, I, I mean, one of the big things that you see, I mean, obviously, when you when you see games like look at Days Gone, for example, uh, a beautiful game that, that isn't necessarily a 10 out of 10 experience in many people's opinion, but the game is beautiful. It looks amazing. Right. And a lot of that is because they're working with a singular platform and Sony is so closely tied to these developers that they're working with or that they own or that they're funding or what have you that I, I guarantee that they're finding ways to maximize these consoles because a lot of those developers are able to be in contact. They've talked about this before where studios like Naughty Dog will help studios like uh, Sucker Punch and, and help them with the tech that they've worked on in, in Sony. If you had that kind of ring of developers helping each other within Xbox, you might see more developers actually take advantage of what the system can do. 
Well, here's hoping that that's exactly what we get with this acquisition of all these studios. Um, like that's one of my E3 predictions is that we're going to find out what we're getting from all of those, and that they'll hopefully create that type of structure that uh, that you were just talking about that Sony has. Um, but Sean, mm-hmm. what are some of your predictions for E3? Well, we we talked about this a little earlier, but I think we're definitely going to see a lot of third party announcements, games that are going to be multi platform during the Xbox sure. keynote. For sure. Uh, and a lot of that is really just because they don't have anywhere else to go. I mean, and a lot of uh, not only just Sony, but like at EA. EA, for example, is doing their own thing. They're doing a bunch of different live streams like Jedi Fallen Order. That's going to have its own live stream uh, that'll be completely separate from these big kind of keynotes. And a lot of these problems, I think you might say, for E3 is kind of coming down to the convention in and of itself. There's less and less reason for companies like Microsoft, Sony, even smaller studios to go set up a booth for money and try and display their games to people who pay for tickets to get in now. And it's just easier for them to just announce their games online. That's where whatever percentage of the player base is anyways. Most people don't go to E3. They just look at whatever news comes out around the weeks that it's there, and you know they get excited about what they do. But um, I do think you know there's a couple of games specifically. I'm really interested to see what Platinum is doing. They have teased a couple things here and there, saying they have something else on the horizon besides Bayonetta 3. Um, which will be interesting. I, I hope that we see that during Xbox's keynote. Hopefully, I want to see more of Neo 2. You know, we got that little teaser last year during E3, and oh that was it. We haven't heard anything that. for a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So who knows what's what's going on there, but hopefully we see something. And, I mean, beyond that, I'm really just hoping that Xbox gives us... I don't want to use the word roadmap because I really dislike that phrasing, but I would really I, like I them well. to... <laughs> right? It's, it's frustrating, but I would yeah. love for Xbox to be like, hey... This is our plan for next gen. You know, they don't have to show us what the console looks like or give us every little detail, but but be like, hey guys, this this is what you'll stand to benefit if you want to, you know, ride dirty with Microsoft next year. And <laughs> I would like a little bit from them in that way. Okay, so um, I have another question for you guys. How exactly do each of you think, or rather, what exactly do each of you think Microsoft is going to have to do to win E3 this year? Noting that uh, PlayStation's not going to be there. So there's there's already either a det- that's either a detriment uh, or a success. Uh, so what do you guys think they have to do to um, fill that void and make everyone win everyone over for Xbox for the next generation? That's very difficult to say, to be perfectly frank. Um, <laughs> if you if you, if we're if we're judging it, let's ignore the the other third party conferences for a second. Which any one of them could potentially do some kind of like big announcement that just wins E three for them personally. But ignoring them just for a second and taking just two out of the big three that are going, this is basically if we're talking about you know the whole winning E three or whatever. It's basically Microsoft versus Nintendo. It really just depends on. What do they have lined up to go? Uh, I'm even wondering. Um, I'm even wondering if maybe when they found out that Sony was dropping out of E3, that they may have even both of them. Probably not Nintendo because they're not about that. But I'm wondering if Microsoft, in their mind, was just thinking about of a way specifically to counter Nintendo's announcements. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because as soon as you said it's Microsoft versus Nintendo, I was like, I don't. I actually don't think it is. 
Yeah, why is that? Um, I, I don't I don't see Nintendo as a competitor to Microsoft. Like the Switch is not competing with the Xbox. Yeah, you know whatever, what? You're right. You that's know? that's a fair point. That's a fair point. And that's and the, and it was for that reason uh, that Nintendo. You know, again, Nintendo always marches by the beat of their own drum. So they're not really thinking about like what's the other guy doing on the other side. They just do them, which is cool. Especially not only are they not uh, competing, they're working together. We have that's very true. Of their yeah. cosplay of these two working together. So I would be going to say that they're the they're Eminem club now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd be really I wouldn't be rather surprised if I if we saw something where the, both of them work together at E3. So then that brings the question. Do you think it's even like I'll, I'll give my um, how they could potentially win E3. But do you honestly think they could? Are they even trying to at that point? Do you think? Oh, either way, either of you, do you think that Microsoft is going in there with the intention of just like blowing everyone away if they're yes, in kind of like, yes, easily okay. because all they're tweeting about is how this is going to be the best E3, this is going to be the best E3 for gamers, and you know they, they of course are making mm-hmm. about how Sony's not going to be there, so they've been hyping up this E3 for uh, quite some time now, so for sure they're going in with that. I will definitely say that I did get a like it was it wasn't around this time last year it was like some months ago now but I definitely got a kick out of you know the tweets that came out like after Sony said that they were not participating in E3 the tweets that Microsoft and Nintendo threw were hilarious about how they were like doubling down it's like oh we'll be there and we got some stuff to talk about <laughs> Reggie had tweeted about that before he you know this is before obviously way before he retired so he had definitely tweeted about that well, like they went in I thought that was hilarious but yeah, so I guess on that point, then sure. In that case, my predictions as far as like what Microsoft could possibly do to um, win E3, it's really tough because they have to go beyond what they normally do. Because what they normally have been doing for like I, the last two, maybe even three years, has been talking about all these big games that are like you know they're coming out, but they're third-party games like you know Jump Force. Regardless of how that game turned out, I was extremely hyped last year about that game. But I, then I found out it was multi-platform. I was like, oh, cool. This is a great game. I'm going to play on my PS4. So it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, all the really big games that were coming out, I was like, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, Tales of Vesperia, Jump Force. These are going to be great games to play on my PS4 and or Switch. Yep. Like, that, and that's hard. Like they can't if they, – if they really want to win – E3, then they cannot focus on third-party games that are coming out elsewhere. They have to focus what? on stuff. You think so? I think so because they're not gonna. All right, let me let, let me ask you this then: if they if they just it was just blowout after blowout after big game big game announcements one right after another, but none of them were like say exclusive to Xbox Xbox for example, would that be them really winning E3? Yes, you would think so. I do. Well, then there you go. There's and then the that's reason it. I say that is just because um, a lot of times we'll always wait to see what Sony has. Um, and that's usually true. it's their first party stuff that uh, Xbox is competing with. Without them competing against first party stuff, what do we have to be excited for? Right? Just that's brand true. new titles. And if Xbox gives us all the brand new games um, that we're looking for, how is that not a win for them? Yep, even, you're right. even if they're I not mean... um, excuses, but go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, it, it, this is kind of the the first thing I thought of when you said win E3, my lizard brain was just like pointless because winning E3 basically doesn't mean anything. You know, they can have the best the best display ever. They could show off every oh, awesome game that people are looking forward to. But the point that 
you know, that Brandon brought up is still valid. Like I'm, it doesn't matter what game they show at, at their conference. When I get that game, I'm going to ask for a PS4 copy. It's just the way that's, it's going to be, you know, that's, that's true. And, and also on that point of Sean saying winning E3 is meaningless it is it just it brings me back to that E3 that Sony had where they announced um, Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, <laughs> Shenmue yeah. III, um, The Last Guardian is finally coming out like they that was a win. Like Sony won that year. But what did it amount to in the end? Because not much, not much so far. Two of not those games, of I just, those games, two of those games, yeah. I just, two of those games I just mentioned haven't come out. And the Last Guardian did pretty well review wise. It was a solid eight out of ten. It just wasn't this big ten out of ten legendary thing that everyone thought it was going to be. Is my only point about that one. But so, Sean, you think it doesn't make a difference then? Like, uh, what I mean is, if we get uh, a bunch of titles coming to Xbox that we see at E3, um, and and we don't necessarily see that they're coming to PlayStation because uh, Xbox does like to do that little like thing where they put it in really tiny text that it's also coming yeah. on other, <laughs> uh, other platforms. Yeah. Yep. So like if they did that again and we know that we're not getting PlayStation, uh, are, are you're saying that there's that that wouldn't possibly sway a few people? Spe- and before you answer that, also consider the fact that we're going to be getting uh like have to this isn't I mean, it's a prediction, but we have to be getting information on the next Xbox console. So Oh, we pair- we definitely will. They're, oh, yeah. they're definitely going to talk about something. Exactly. So pair new information with a brand new console with brand new games that are coming out. And you mean to tell me that you still don't think that that might sway some people over? I mean, maybe, maybe a small percentage. But the, the problem there is that, you know, seeing a trailer, going online, discussion, any of that stuff is really irrelevant when it comes down to something actually, somebody actually purchasing something. You know what I mean? If they, if they go into a brick and mortar store, for example, like a GameStop, they don't say they don't automatically assume, well, hey, you're an Xbox guy, right? You know, they ask. You know, if you walk in and say, Hey, I want Mortal Kombat eleven, they say, Okay, what what console? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, there's it's a small chance that somebody would go to buy something and not know that they had the availability to purchase it on whatever console they wanted, if it's a, a multi platform title. Not to mention that, you know, if that's the first reveal for something and it is just that little Xbox teeny tiny print, the next time they see a trailer for a game they're excited about it'll probably be from the developer or the publisher showcasing very loudly that it's a multi-platform title, you know? So, I mean, again, it's, it sucks to say, but we're, we're still kind of living in the same generation of gaming we always have, where it's like, if, if a year from now you can buy a PS5 or an Xbox, whatever you want to call it, whatever it's going to be called, if you have those two options and it's like, okay, well, if I pick up a PS5, I can play Death Stranding. If I pick up an Xbox 2.155, I can play what? the same games I can play on the PS5. Like if there isn't that one incentivized title to get people to jump over to that, then they're going to have the same problems again. I love that you called it the Xbox 1.2555. Whatever they're going to call it, yeah. <laughs> because I they do have that. a really big issue with uh, naming consoles. But I, I still believe, and you know, this is just me being a little stubborn, I still believe that there's an opportunity for people to walk into a GameStop and say, hey, I saw this game um, at the Microsoft press conference. Um, it was like this. It looked like this. Can I grab it? And you know, they might want it just on Xbox because that's where they saw it. Or they might not have seen that it's um, you know coming out somewhere else. Um, uh, but speaking of that, uh, to switch gears a little bit, we wait, did... Drew, Drew, oh, before ahead. we uh, switch gears, there's just one thing I wanted to bring up yeah, in regards to the question that you had asked a second ago. Um, you, you know, we are in agreement that at some point they'll probably 
at this E3, they'll talk about the new console, you know, whatever it happens to be called. But there's two concerns I have with that if they if this is the place where they announce a new console. The first concern is that I like Sean was ma- uh, mentioning earlier, E3 is becoming, you know, less important in as far as gaming, the gaming media culture, whatever, as the years have been going on. The fact that Sony skipped it is like a big sign of that as well. Um, so I wonder if that if this is the place where Microsoft is going to reveal their new console, how much are they going to talk about it? Because we saw with Nintendo when they announced the Switch, they they pretty much just dropped that year E3. They waited for their own opportunity. Eyes are on us. We're going to reveal the Switch when we're ready so that we'll get the maximum viewing. We don't have to share the spotlight with anyone else. So I wonder with that, if Microsoft will even tell us that much about the console, even if, if this is the avenue uh, for you, it. You know what they're going to tell us, dude? I can tell you exactly what Microsoft's going to say. Phil Spencer is going to come up and he's going to go, we got two new consoles coming out next year. They're going to be the most powerful consoles ever. And Halo Infinite is going to be a launch title. And he's just going to like walk off stage. <laughs> oh <my laughs> basically what's going to happen. That is exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly what happened. But here's the second concern that I had uh, in regards to what I, what I was saying. They announced new console. That pretty much means, and we got we got. I'm going to assume that if this new console comes out, it's going to have backwards compatibility because Microsoft are the one of one one industry of the three that are like really pushing that this year. I mean, this generation. You know, mm-hmm. switch. Can I say it really quick that the backwards. reason they're pushing that is because they don't have anything else. Yeah. I mean, at 100%, but it's still a really big thing because 360 had, like, some crazy exclusives. Like, that had – like, that was a – if you were looking for, like, an exclusive game, that that system had some had some games for you. So the fact that they're doing that is, like, absolutely a big selling point of the Xbox uh, One. But if the new system also has the backwards compatibility as well, then that just means that a whole bunch of people are going to hear this new announcement and be like, well, then what do I need an Xbox One X for or Xbox One or an Xbox One S? They'll just sit, they'll just sit back, hear more, de- wait for more details, and if they like it, they'll just get that. Well, not to mention that the PS5 is going to be backwards compatible too, so right. that's not going to be a huge winning point for them for the upcoming gen. So that Certainly. was actually um, where I was headed with uh, my next point. Um, so I was going to okay. say, <laughs> so it actually works perfectly. I was going to say that um, right after we got this, well, okay, first to address one of the sure. points you said, um, I, uh, Xbox announcing at E3, I honestly don't know where else they would do it because I really thought it was really, really weird that PlayStation gave us details on like a random website exclusive interview out of nothing. That was kind of weird. That, it that was, was just weird. the weirdest shit. Like, I was like, okay, like we're all well, to- did you guys follow at all that? I mean, there were there were specs leaking for the PS5 all over the place. I had heard and that's, that I that's, that's kind of why they did that. That's true. Yeah, <clears throat> it was just so they can get the information out. Yeah, I guess that mm-hmm. makes sense in that context. Um, but I, I don't know where else Microsoft would do it because they don't have anything like, um, um, you know, a direct or uh, what, what's the place? Well, they didn't. Right? Didn't they do one? Didn't they do yeah. some kind of Xbox direct or something out of nowhere a couple months ago? And it was like, oh, you're doing the Nintendo thing now? Xbox experience or Microsoft yeah, experience? Was experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, OK, you're right. They did. <laughs> and look how well that like everybody. I don't, I don't know. I bet. I mean, look at how how much we all knew about it. You exactly. know, the, obviously it wasn't that impactful. Exactly. True. That's yeah. Exactly. But one of the things that they did mention was right after we got all the specs for the PS5 or whatever they're going to call that, um, was that the Xbox is going to be more powerful than that already. Mm-hmm. So, what do you guys feel about that? Well, first, let me just say some of the things that I'm excited for about the. I, I don't know. This is the Xbox E3 
three predictions podcast. So I yes. am curious to hear what you guys think will what we will get in the next Xbox. But um, just because they did say that it's going to be more powerful than the PS5, we do already know that the PS5 is going to support 8, 8K graphics. It's going to be backwards yeah. compatible. Um, they have like a custom GPU, eight cores, custom audio unit that has like its own 3D audio, um, a solid well, state drive. It, yeah. What? There's there's some things to be said about all that too. True, true, true. Uh, you, you can keep you can keep going. They have a solid state drive, which I think is probably the most exciting thing um, about yeah. the entire situation. It absolutely is, and it, it's possibly going to be compatible with a uh, PSVR that we have right now in in some form or fashion. Um, so that's all the stuff that we have to look ex- that we have to be excited for about the PS5. Supposedly, the Xbox One is going to be even more powerful than that. So, do you guys have any predictions on what that might be or what you'd like to see from that? Yeah, you, do you want to go first, Brandon, or you want me to take it first? I mean, I guess I'll say a little bit because I don't have too much to say on in regards to it. Um, the fact that the PS, you know, the PS5 itself is supporting 8K when that's not even like really readily available to the most consumers itself yes. in itself in itself is kind of crazy. And the fact that the new that's, Xbox that's a total buzzword, by the way. And you yeah. know what? That buzzword worked for me. <laughs> it, it will work. I for was a lot like, of people, oh my but... gosh, <laughs> let's go, new TV time. Yeah, for real. Oh, yeah, I'm no, no. That, but... I I recently got a 4K TV. Then the thought of like just bumping up to 8K is kind of crazy to me because like oh boy. But that's that's another thing entirely. The the point is a lot of people just like don't have it at the point. So the fact that the new Xbox system could potentially go even higher than that. That I don't even know what to expect from that. I don't know how, how many consumers out there would even be able to take full advantage of everything that the new system would even offer. Like even PS, even PS Five seems like there's some people that just won't be able to take full advantage of that. So yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. Just the fact that I can't imagine what else they'll do beyond <laughs> what is already far in the future. You know what I'm saying? Well, and you bring up a really good point because, you know, there are people like me and Jarrell who will sit there and drool over, you know, little little specs and, and be like, oh, my God, you can you can boot Bloodborne without any load times. You know, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's amazing. That's really cool. But it's the same problem with this gen, right? Like I've seen an Xbox One X in person on a high end TV running games. And, yeah, it looks great, but it's it's marginal at best. This isn't something that. You know, you can't you're not going to walk into a Best Buy with a PS5 and an Xbox, you know, two sitting next to each other running on the same TV and people are going to be like, oh, my God, this looks so much better on the Xbox. It's going to be so marginal that if if Xbox decides to still push that platform of we have the most powerful console, people already don't care about that in this gen because it's already such a marginal increase and something that isn't really that much better that it just doesn't matter. You know, if it was something like you know, same game on PS5 takes a minute to load and takes 30 seconds to load on the Xbox, that's a big difference, but that's not what we're getting. You know, something that's going to be slightly, you know, slightly crisper or maybe runs at a a better, steadier frame rate, you know, where it only dips one or two frames versus not dipping at all, something like that. And most average gamers who pick up a copy of The Division 3 or something are not going to notice that stuff. And it's not going to be a big selling point for them. So I think Microsoft pushing that, that rhetoric that they have for the last two years with the Xbox One X, it already didn't work. I don't see why they think it would work again. Like, that's not going to be a strong enough platform. I do think that one of the reasons it doesn't work is because they don't have the games to play. Exactly. Right. 
So it's less about because like I was ready to buy an Xbox One X just a few months ago, and I, there was no, nothing to play on it. But I was like, I want the most powerful console ever. And then I was like, <laughs> but I don't have anything to play, so I should probably save the. All money. right, you know, because I mean, it, again, like you say, you're looking at you know, I mean, I guess you could play some some good cross platform titles that have come out this year or something. You know, you could like boot up Sekiro or you know Devil May Cry Five or something like that. But it, again, it's it's is it really worth another five hundred bucks? Is it really worth another four hundred? And again, for someone like me, the incentives isn't going to be there because I have this huge library of PS4 games that if the PS5 is backwards compatible, like they say, that's just an easy purchase for me. Yeah, you know, I can continue to play, and I guarantee you, right off the bat, the only thing that Xbox is going to have is Halo, uh, which I, I haven't been excited about a Halo games, and I don't even remember how long. Maybe Reach was the last time. Probably, yeah. I'm sure they're they're gonna you know have gears. A couple of these games will probably be cross platform the same way that like GTA Five was back in 2013, uh, where you see games you know coming out for you know you have the Xbox One edition and then the Xbox Two edition and PS4, PS5, all that junk. So that'll be there, but you know. Do you guys think that they're also gonna lean into um, their cross play? Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that as well. Um, crossplay and and I think I might have asked it already, but um, what do, do you do? You actually think that we're going to get some type of like Xbox Nintendo situation going on at E three? Well, what do you mean exactly? I'm not sure. Any like possibly a a shout out to each company. Like I don't know. Maybe Phil Spencer goes on and talks about crossplay and then um how because uh, we don't know what the relationship is right now with um Microsoft and Nintendo or what they've been doing since been collaborating um so do you think we might be we might see some you know future stuff like i know there were a lot of sayings and i'm not exactly sure how much of it um has happened but with a lot of the crossplay titles that are coming to switch you know you're able to look xbox live uh, achievements etc on your switch now or uh, some other sh- stuff i'm not really sure i don't remember um but do you think we might get anything like that like some type of crossplay uh stuff i think i think so your your information etc uh, what tell me I think well, they'll definitely do something like that. You you can go ahead, Brendan. Yeah, uh, not only do I think that they'll do it, I'm actually starting to wonder. It kind of goes back to a point I was bringing up earlier when we were talking about you know general predictions. Like when I was predicting that Microsoft was going to kind of like lean in more into the fact that their console is just the best play to best way to play these games, not necessarily the only place to play these games. But if they want to lean into the cross-play side of it as well, it's not impossible, I suppose, depending on how the extent of Microsoft and Nintendo's relationship. They could even announce all these um, so Microsoft formerly exclusive games coming to like Nintendo platforms. It doesn't seem likely because it's their show and they probably won't do something like that. But I also can't really rule it out either. Well, I think... Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I think there'll be there will be something. There'll be some little nod, you know, especially since the Switch doesn't have achievements. So that thing that Jarrell brought up is really interesting. Like, it, it would be kind of cool if you could link your your Xbox Live like ugly avatar or whatever, and like Switch, have it yeah. have it gain achievements through your Switch. That would be pretty cool, actually. And, that would be a little bit of an incentive there. And didn't people? And wasn't it talked about like a month or two ago that like I don't know if this was ever confirmed or not that Xbox Live was just coming to Switch? Yeah, something about that. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. Also, they're not ugly anymore. The avatars are actually super cute now. I, I just said that because I, I haven't seen them in a while, but they used to be so so. Yeah, I, they used to be really yeah. bad, and now they're now they're actually pretty wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Okay. 
Uh, but yeah, there was something something about that. I hadn't uh, researched it enough, but there was something about, you know, Xbox Live coming to the Switch. Um, and it's just such a weird situation because I kind of agree with you, Brandon. Like, I don't know where that that's why I wanted to have this podcast and like what you guys think we're going to see, because I have no idea where Xbox is going next and why I should purchase one, um, because so far we don't need the one that we already have. And they've they've been successful at selling us on these uh, updated boxes for no reason, because uh, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people <laughs> that had an Xbox uh, one upgraded to an xbox one s um and um we were still all playing the same thing uh like and it was doing well i i got the one s so that i could play 4k blu-rays personally that that is (laughs) that is the only reason i got one too uh but now they have this uh xbox with no disc so you can't even do that anymore (laughs) so i'm just like where where are we headed what are we doing well it would be nice if Microsoft would release a console that has rechargeable controllers in the box. You know, it's it's twenty. It's going to be twenty twenty before we get that. Like I've actually spoken to to Xbox fans before. I had a friend of mine who told me I don't like rechargeable controllers because whenever the batteries die, I can just switch them out. And I was like, I I, I don't even know how to begin arguing with you about why that's dumb. <laughs> about why that makes no sense. You're spending more money for no reason. You just plug it in, my guy. Yeah. Like. It's crazy, but that's how, that's how some people still view, you know, the the Microsoft standpoints. They they've started to they've they've been stuck in their ways for so long, and what they do that people have started defending what they do with these kind of roundabout things, like oh, there's no reason for this. They don't need to do this, and like, well, yeah, they do though. You know, it's the reason they sell you you know seventy five dollar controllers that are rechargeable. Literally. Yeah. I think it's very small small quality of life improvements like they need to fix their ui issues um oh God. like there's a lot of stuff that, <laughs> that they need to do um, i can't stand their dashboard it, it is so beyond I can't frustrating find anything. i literally can yeah. never find anything i don't know where my games are now that's why i don't play them on you know and to <laughs> me to be completely fair to microsoft a lot of that could be because i don't play it regularly you know maybe if i did i i would be a little more familiar with the ui but almost every person I know who has an Xbox One has at some point complained that they're like, yeah, this, this UI is bad. Like, I, I didn't like it when it, it popped up on my Windows 10 PC, and I don't like it now. You know, like, it's, it's just a bunch of squares and, and weird uh, drop-down menus. It's just odd. Yeah, and they're not really in any order. Like it's you if, to find a game. I literally have to pin it. Okay, none of this matters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what we're looking at is um, Microsoft is going to prioritize exclusives um, at E3. They're probably going to give us some crossplay. Um, what else are we looking forward to, or what else do we think? Uh, well, sorry, uh, information on the next Xbox, and what else were we predicting? I guess all that's really left besides those three is hopefully some just some cool surprise games. You know. It's nice to know, you know, information about any games that we may have already heard about. That's, you know, that's fine. People go to E3 and expect that. But people also go to E3 to expect some nice big surprises. So if Microsoft's conference has some nice big, you know, IPs, new IPs, or just some returning IPs we didn't expect, whatever, you know, surprises. I mean, you know, it could be a very good show for them. So, you know, hopefully some of that too. I think, uh, I, I think my biggest problem with e3 in general and, and xbox always does this like what was it last year or the year before when they announced forza and they brought out like a mclaren p1 or okay something on stage? all right all right so here's you the know, thing. like what is with so that the, crap dude so, here, so here's the thing i don't like that either but it's become kind of one of their staples and i've come to expect it in fact it's become a good place for me to like um decompress it after if microsoft actually does some like good announcements like all right, they're 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 going to go on to the car porn. They're showing off <laughs> they're showing off their real car 
right next to just before the gameplay footage. You just you do it, man. It's just because I, I they've done it like is this annual? Have, have there has there been is there a year that they have not done it? I don't know. It, it seems like every year they have some ridiculous thing that they do, and I think it's the same. It's the same problem every year. You know, every conference becomes like a, a sea of memes. Because they're so cringy and they always get the wrong people to announce things. And, uh, you know, and not not to mention, I did want to touch on this just a little bit. I'm sure you guys were following everything that was happening with Anthem over the last couple of months. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that came out that I think nobody was really surprised about was that when they debuted that footage at E3, it was fake. They did not have a build that functioned like that at the time. They were not really playing the game. They created something specifically for E3, and I think more and more people are starting to catch on to that, that like when you see an E3 trailer now, even if it is a game you care about, you're like, well, whatever, it's not going to look anything like this. Yeah, you know, that's and that's, that is becoming a problem, too. Where like they show trailers for these games or gameplay or whatever, you know, air quotes, and it, more and more you're like, okay, well, is this just some random build that's running perfectly and it's going to run like crap when I get it on the day one? Do you think that is really okay? Um, do you think that's really something that Microsoft would be fighting against, though? I think that's much more a uh, developer issue than a E three Microsoft issue. I, I think it's just an industry wide issue that's going to affect everybody. You but know, you think it'll deter people from more more. Um, from their excitement about E three? I think I think possibly yeah, because I've seen more and more people, you know, and and these could just be like the keyboard warriors out there, you know, doing their thing. But I've seen more and more people that are just not excited about the conference in general because they're like either uh, all I'm going to get is like some cringy announcer, weird stuff, you know, game announcements and then trailers I can't trust. So that's just part of a bigger issue. I don't necessarily think it's going to affect it overall, but it's starting to kind of creep in where people are, are becoming less inclined to, you know, go out and pre-order a game based on an E3 trailer. Wow, uh, that's depressing. Um, you're not wrong, but I mean, that's it's it's a sad situation to think about, um, especially with the hype and excitement that I have for E3. Just personally, um, it is still one of my favorite moments of the year. You know, just just thinking about that. Uh, do you think that might be something that they address, possibly? No, definitely not, because it, it doesn't benefit them to be like, "Hey, we swear this is running on an Xbox One." That's that's all they're gonna say. They're going to show a gameplay footage for Halo Infinite, you know, most definitely. And they're going to do something. They're going to say this is running in real time on an Xbox One X, which, you know, they've always said that kind of stuff. But that's as far as it'll get. It doesn't benefit them to sit there and make promises that they may not be able to keep, you know, because at the end of the day, like Microsoft's involvement in their development studios and what's making what where they can't be there 100% of the time because they're a huge company that does not only sell video game consoles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so they can't micromanage all this stuff and make sure, like, yeah, Gears 4 is going to look exactly like this or Gears 5 or whatever. So either way, it doesn't really benefit them to do anything about it. But I just see the consumer base becoming more weary of what they're being told. Okay, last question. If you guys were in charge of um, heading the E3 conference for Microsoft, what would you do? Cool. All right. So first off, I'm going to lead off with the Forza. Get it out of the way. Let them admire. <laughs> <laughs> let them admire the car. And then once we're done with that, then we got to just do blowout after blowout after blowout. You know, I was joking about the Forza thing. That that really is actually best for like a second or third announcement after as a, like a decompression. Like ideally, the way any kind of like you know big announcement 
um, show like E3 or a direct or whatever should go is you want to have like some kind of like big thing to like real people in. Like, for example, I'll, I'll use the last um, Nintendo Direct as an example, the last major one. They let off with that Super Mario Maker 2 trailer, which they know a lot of people were looking for. So that that's already hooking people in. It's like, right, oh, cool, I'm invested now. Then they'll just, you know, do announcement after announcement of varying um, degrees. And then they end it with the Link's Awakening thing. So something like that. Start off with something big that people, like a nice little trailer for something big, get people excited. Do your Forza thing. Get that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, then. Oh wait, hold on. Quick as a quick aside before I continue my um <laughs> my E3 plan for Microsoft. Do you guys remember how years years ago when uh, I think it was still the 360 era, how I think Microsoft ended a conference with a Just Dance concept with Usher? Oh God, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> like that was their ending. That's how they ended the con- the, the conference Oof. with the Usher concert. And the th- the thing is, they had him dance and uh, dance or whatever. But he wasn't even playing the game. Like he was dancing while just footage of the game was going mm-hmm. in the background. Like, uh. Anyway, continuing. Yeah, no, just a just big announcement after big announcement. Maybe in, in the set. Tell on. me what those announcements are. Come on, give me something. We, oh, you want I want specifics. Uh, we know damn, what the studios shit. are that they've acquired. Come on, give me some specifics. What are you? What am I? What am I getting? What am I getting when I watch okay, this? Okay, okay. Uh, Ninja Studio announces new IP. Um, I think in the I think in the middle I think in the middle they will probably get. That's when they'll probably start talking about the next. Either in the middle, or right before their final announcement, they'll talk about the successor to Xbox One. I feel. And then the last trailer that they'll show will either be like the last big major game for like um, Xbox One X or it'll be something that will probably come to the next system, depending on how they want to do it. I mean, there's interesting stuff here. You know, like Ninja Theory, they, they've been inconsistent mostly. But I mean, like, for example, they did they did Hellblade, you know, which was an incredible game. Um, and there's there's a lot of room for Xbox to have games like that. You know, you know what's interesting? Every time we have the, you know, people always hate these conferences. Like, do you guys remember when they did the trailer for the Division Two, and they they have those like fake like gamers? You know, they're like talking to each other and they're yeah, like, yeah, man, look close. at this cool pump shotgun I got. <laughs> yeah. Oh, headshot, bro. You know, like the the idea there isn't the worst thing. Like, I would love to see Microsoft be like, hey guys, what's up? Here's Halo Infinite. You know, a six v six. Here's a couple of Halo Pro teams, and they're gonna like face off on one of our new multiplayer maps. You know, like showcase something like that. Show people who love playing those games, playing the damn game and show us what it's going to look like at a a high level of play or a high level of fun or something else. Like I would love to see them just do stuff like that. Uh, And then as far as announcements of of new games, I mean, the the world is their oyster, I guess. You know, there's this is there's a lot of talent on this list, right? Sure. A lot of people involved with a lot of cool releases. I mean, I don't don't know where you want to put we happy few on that list. So That's actually what I was going to say. Compulsion Games did give us We Happy Few, and although I didn't play it, I was super excited when I first saw it, and then just reviews were just bombed for that, and they weren't great. Same thing with uh, Undead Labs. Everyone knows I was super excited for State of Decay 2. It's another one that kind of just fell to the wayside, and these are all Xbox exclusives from these studios that came out that are not giving us like anything really to look forward to if this is the quality of what we're getting. So that's not too Yeah, great. I mean, and then, I mean, there's other games too. Like, you know, Sea of Thieves was the big one for me because I, I really, really liked the idea behind that game. 
and it looked really it, cool. The that's, that's, that, <laughs> that's, by, by the way, that's the reason why I was yeah. laughing earlier. Laughing earlier when you said "Sea of Memes," I thought you were making a reference to Sea of Thieves. Oh yeah, it, it was it was a reference to that. Uh, <laughs> Great, because that's basically what it became. You know, the, yeah. the game was so light on content, and they, they've done some things to it over time. But ultimately, like if you watch people playing it now, it's like it's just people robbing each other for crap and like eating bananas. <laughs> there's, there's not yeah. a whole lot happening in the yeah. game, like, and it's it sucks. And I think. Um, I think the biggest difference is that Sony has this really hands-on approach to getting their studios that, well, they, they expect this amount of quality. And I think they have somebody going directly to the studio saying like, Hey, you got to step this up. Like people expect a certain amount of quality from a, a first party title and you have to meet that quality. Here's all these other developers who can help you or give you tips or whatever else, but this is the quality you have to meet. And because they have that expectation, they, you know, games take a long time to come out, but they usually come out pretty good. And uh, we're just kind of seeing the opposite with Microsoft exclusives. They, they do eventually come out, but some of them don't, aren't much of a game. You know, Sea of Thieves wasn't much of a game. That was like a $20 game at max. And that was a bummer. Fact that it was full priced. I yeah, was so unbelievable. confused. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. sure they added it to Xbox Game Pass, but um, the fact that it came out at full price with like what it was, uh, it reminded me of just the Street Fighter Five launch, which came out at full price, oh, which God. Was, like had nothing. I was like, what? Don't, don't get me started, man. Yeah. Anyway, oh, um, man. so Sean, I guess you kind of told us, but what would you um do if you were in charge of making? E3 for Microsoft. I think, uh, and this is more or less what I'd like to see from pretty much anyone announcing at E3. I think Microsoft's biggest strength at this point is to just be transparent because one of the coolest things that they've done in the last few years, like the, the accessibility that they do with their controllers is amazing. It is you know, what they, so what they, good. It's that's, so good. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And the more they do stuff like that, the more that we're seeing that, like, okay, Microsoft realized that they didn't have that same first-party pull that Sony and Nintendo had. So they started focusing on those corners of gaming where gamers might feel kind of left out or they feel kind of, you know, not as well taken care of. And Microsoft is kind of taking up that banner, and I think that's really cool. Um, and I think in general, them just being a little more transparent about what they're doing, you know, come out and say, you know, guys, the next console is, is going to look like this. It's going to be like this. You know, we're not going to give you more details until this date, but here's what to expect. Like it's going to be backwards compatible. And, and, you know, these are the studios we're working with. Here's some of the ideas we have. Like you can, you don't have to have these big full ready trailers to get people excited about the idea of a game. You know, they, they don't need to overhype things that are never going to happen, but Talk, talk to your audience, tell them what they should be excited about, you know, because ultimately at the end of the day, it is their job to sell us that console. And they're not going to do that just by, you know, rolling trailers and, and bringing out cars and, uh, you know, <laughs> fucking Usher. It's just not going to happen. You know? And I wanted to harken back to that when I went to E3 in 2017, the, the Xbox area uh, had like a giant dance or like a just there was like a just dance area and they brought like 20 or, or like, you know, 15 or 20 people up. And it was so funny because there, you, you could tell there were like planted dancers. There was like six or seven people that are dancing all professionally. And then just a couple of like, you know, like sweaty, awkward dudes, like trying <laughs> to do it. You know? oh, and it was man. like, it was just so, it was so bad. And it's just perfectly encapsulated, like everything that's kind of wrong with E3 now. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that I always said um, was that at E3, the 
biggest and best way um, to to get people excited to give them games. Give us gamers right. what we want, because that's li- what I'm watching for is the games and the system that I'm going to play them on. If you're giving me a brand new mm-hmm. system to play them on, give me what I'm going to play it with. Um, tell me why I should go buy this after I've bought like two generations of, well, two iterations of the same generation of console. I don't want to buy any more of these boxes at this point. I still feel like my my console, my Xbox and PlayStation 4 Pro have yet to reach their, you know, climax, honestly. So show me the games I'm going to play on them. And I really hope that Xbox takes this opportunity because they have the unique ability to get basically whatever games they want on the show floor on the show floor because they are not competing with uh, Sony anymore. So they can literally get whatever game they think is going to make, make us excited, their negotiations for getting that onto their show should be absolutely no problem. Unless, of course, like, let's say it's a game from Square Enix and Square Enix has it at their own presentation. Um, other than that, yeah. it's up to Microsoft to give us the games that we want to play. Um, exclusives and non-exclusives, because they're the only place we're going to be watching this year, pretty much. Aside from, you know, Nintendo all, and the smaller studios. We all have one place to watch Xbox One X announcements. Yeah, so uh, they better yeah. bring bring their shit. <laughs> well, yeah, they have a lot to make up for. I mean, look at the only exclusive they've released this year is Crackdown 3. Oh, which God. was just like a turd in a box. Oh, man. Come on, man. I feel so bad for that game because Terry Crews was so excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So many people him. were excited for the game. Do you guys have any more E3 predictions before we round this out? Anything else you want to say about E3, uh, Microsoft's uh, E3 presentation? I'm um, pulling for Microsoft. I want to see if they can really bring some stuff before um, the next console generation or if the next console generation is going to be their new hope. So, you know, we'll see what happens with them. I don't really have any predictions. Just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see all the E3 uh, announcements, but excited to see what they'll come out with. Yeah, same here. I mean, and I, I hate to, you know, it sounds like I just hate Microsoft. I don't. Yeah, um, I don't either. I, I rag on them a lot, but it's it's not because I dislike them so much. It's because I, I want, you know, I want the, the Xbox that I used to have that, you know, was this, this center of fun that I could turn on and play with all my friends. And I really, really, really think they could get back to that if they make Halo Infinite a good game. You know, make that a good game and I will buy your console. I will buy Xbox Live and I will sit online and I will play Halo Damn, online. So you think that, yeah. that that if they go back to making their good exclusive Halo, it's going to bring people back to Xbox? Absolutely. Yeah, especially if they do like cross-platform with PC and I can hop on and, and you know, make custom games and, and mess with the <laughs> Forge and do stuff like back in the day, then, then hell yeah, I'll spend money just for that experience. A lot of people will, I think, too. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys for this E3 Microsoft Predictions podcast. Uh, I guess that's that's everything for now. We're just we're a little a little bit away, maybe a little over a month away. So we'll see uh, what comes to pass. Um, it was great talking to you guys, and I'll talk to you all later. Bye. Yeah. Cool.